Amen. Thank you, girls. And Albert and April, that, that's their parents over here. They get to listen to this stuff at home. My, my kids play tuba. <laughs> I remember when Caleb came home with a tuba. I promise it did not sound like that. <laughs> that was wonderful, girls. Thank you very much. And thank you for choosing. If you don't know them well, guys, let me tell you that these young ladies have chosen to use their talents for the Lord. These girls love the Lord. And I praise God that God has given them this talent to use for the Lord. Amen? Amen? And praise God for a family that's raised them up in the Lord as well. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Luke chapter 2. <clears throat> Luke chapter 2. Just a quick little history lesson. Then I want to talk about something that we tend to do this time of year, but in 516 B.C., the reconstruction of the temple was complete. Everything was going the way it should be, and then and King Herod came into be. He renovated it, if you will, in 19 B.C., and what he had done is when King Herod got there, he expanded the facility of the temple to include what was basically a, a large shopping district, 
where you could buy all your religious goods, buy the, the animals for sacrifice, and all this became part of the temple grounds because it was such an important part of Jewish life to be able to come and make these sacrifices of the animals for their sin and, and to, to, to temporarily wash them and absolve them of their sin, if you would. Now, that, think about that. Here's the temple, and it's enclosed this big area now. It's a, it's a very large facility. And this is what Mary and Joseph would have seen. They would have been completely enraptured when they came in from this. It's kind of like the country mouse goes to the city. They would have came to Jerusalem, and they would have seen this incredibly huge complex. It would have been overwhelming to them. But Mary and Joseph were faithful Jews. They knew what they were supposed to carry out by traditional law, by the, by the law that was given and by tradition. And they would have traveled to Jerusalem with a lot of expense. Even though they were meager people, poor folk, if you will, they would have done whatever it took to carry out what needed to be carried out to dedicate baby Jesus and then also to be able to go through the purification rites of after having childbirth. So at great expense, they would have went to observe all the rules and laws of purification. They would have done what they were supposed to do. And it says in verse 39 that in the scriptures that they finished, they completed everything that was required by law. So they dedicated their, their firstborn son to the Lord. And they pay, then they also had to pay a redemption price to the temple. So all these things cost money. All these things were traditional. All these things were, were uh, laws from of old, mosaic laws that had been handed down. And they went to make this sacrificial cleansing of themselves so they could be absolved, so Jesus could be absolved if, they, if he had needed it in their mind. They were following all the rules. This was being done for a child who was, going to, who was destined to be the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. Amen? They were doing all these things because that's what tradition called them to do. But yet Jesus, when he came to be, his death later on would be the, 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 to fulfill everything, to destroy the need for that temple complex, if you will. His death, when he died upon that cross, because of him, there is no need for, for ritualistic purification anymore. There, that, that would end. We don't need to sacrifice those animals any longer. We don't need to continue to chase that mosaic law of, of, of temporary sacrifice, if you will, because in, that genera in his generation, once he died on that cross, that sacrifice was once and for all. Amen? On New Year's evening, there's, there's another sort of ritual purification that tends to take place. Every year, it's relatively the same. People all gather together. People dress up. People many times drink too much. They, they dance around, they stand around, they finally get to that point where they can count down and, and watch the ball come down. And it marks a new beginning. Just like in the Mosaic Law, they would go and they would sacrifice these animals to, to start a new year, a new beginning. As that ball drops down, so many people will say it's a, a new beginning. It marks a fresh start, a time to turn over a new leaf, to start a new resolution, time to kiss the person next to you, if, it, if you will. This is a tradition that has gone on for over and over and over. And obviously, it's a totally secular tradition. It has absolutely nothing to do 
with, with God. And it certainly has nothing to do with the atonement of God. Amen? But yet it's something that gets done every year. Now, what I would present to you this morning, that in, in that traditional New Year's Eve mentality, that New Year's Eve countdown, and then also the temple sacrifice system, there is something that they have in common. Whether it be as Mary and Joseph, when they came to the temple to carry out all the legalistic, ritualistic things that had been set forth in the Mosaic Law, or whether it be at the countdown this, this, in a couple days in New York or San Antonio, or wherever it may be, there's one thing they have in common. Neither one of those ever, ever affects permanent change in anybody's life. There is only one. Jesus came to bring permanent change to people's lives. Jesus and Jesus alone. He came to bring a new kingdom, a new period of history, a, a brand new life for anyone who chooses to accept it. There is no more continued sacrifice that is needed. There is no continued every year needing to make a new pledge. There is no more continued having to go pay fees and, and ritualistic duties to try to be absolved of your sin. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he died once and for all on that cross for whomsoever believes in him. And I don't have to wait till the new year to get clean. You can do it, hopefully, prayerfully, you've already asked Christ into your heart. But you can do it right now. You don't have to wait till Tuesday, I promise. You can go to him right now. You see, the, 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 the sacrificial system could not achieve that. It could not reach out and start a new life. It was a temporary year-by-year year thing just to, to absolve and, and cover their sin, if you will, is just to make them focus and notice, I need to make a change in my life. You see, why wouldn't it do it? There, it, it why was it so insufficient? Why was the sacrificial, sacrificial system not working? Well, as we read in Scripture, there's really a couple of issues. But let's look at this story together. In Luke chapter 2, and forgive me with my voice, I'm trying to, trying to make it work through here. In Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 21, when the eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. And when the days of their purification, according to the law of Moses, were finished, thank you, baby. Don't normally do that from the pulpit, but trust me, I needed it. Thank you. And when the days of their purification, according to the law of Moses, were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There was a man, now listen to this, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple complex. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your slave in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Hallelujah. You have prepared it in the presence of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory to your people Israel. 
His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple complex, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had completed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The boy grew up, became strong, filled with wisdom, and God's grace was on him. What that is telling us, what Simeon was telling us, what Anna was telling us, is that Jesus Christ, he came, when they came to dedicate Jesus, Jesus was fulfilling the covenant. He was fulfilling all the old covenant. There was no animal sacrifice that could ever be sufficient enough to deal with the problem of sin. You had to keep going back year after year after year. You had to continually go back and and lay hands upon this animal and pray over this animal and purchase this animal, pay these dues to try to get absolved for that coming year. But when Jesus died on that cross, folks, his sacrifice was once and for all. He bore the punishment of death on behalf of all the people, on whosoever, for all time, on his human flesh, died upon that cross and rose again, sacrificing his sacrificial blood, that, that, that sinless blood, so that you and I could be free. I don't have to make a trek to Jerusalem every New Year's. I don't have to go to New York and watch the ball come down. I don't have to go to San Antonio. I don't have to do anything other than look to my Lord and my Savior and say, thank you, Jesus, and lay my heart and my sin out before him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've been given this, guys. Also, too, in the Old Testament, when a sin offering was, was made, it wasn't just between the priest and God that made the exchange. No, when these folks came to him, a person had to place their hands on the animal and acknowledge their sinfulness. When they acknowledged their sinfulness, their their need to change, then the life of that animal was sacrificed in order to cover their sins that they said they were going to change for. What I'm trying to point out is this isn't a new concept. It's from the days of old, and we should still do it today that if we truly want to be absolved of our sin, then there has to be true repentance as well. That was the purpose of the old sacrificial system, was get the people to see that, one, you're a sinner, two, you are the cause of this animal having to lose its life, that your sin has caused this sacrifice to happen, and therefore you should repent of this sin so that you will try to the next year not have to be as bad as the last year. Folks, Our sin is what Christ went to the cross for. And when we go to him, it should be far more than just saying a cute little prayer. There needs and must be, if it is truly going to be a salvation into your life and into who you are, there has to be repentance. 
That's something that I'm afraid is missing in this modern era. We've gotten so caught up in wanting to put numbers on a wall. How many people can we put down under the water? How many different kinds of organizations can we start? How many different types of programs can we get rolling along? Folks, all that is for nothing if there is not repentance amongst his people because if there is no repentance, that sacrifice, we're treating it in vain that he died on that cross just so I could say a cute prayer and get an insurance policy. He died on that cross so that we would acknowledge our sin and not have to keep going every year, but go to him as soon as I acknowledge it and say, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. And 1 John 1, 9, it says, when we truly repent, he is faithful and true to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. It's when we repent, not when we just say cute words. If you pray on Friday, Lord, forgive me for yesterday and plan on going out on Saturday and doing it again, there was no repentance and there was no forgiveness either. You're trying to play a game with God, and I promise God wins. You're not going to beat him, and you're not going to trick him. He sees our heart, guys. The law of God that was set before Moses was clear. If the people obeyed and, and, and listened, then he said, I will bless your land. If they disobeyed, he would curse their land. He's, in fact, he even says in Deuteronomy that though they had sinned, if they would repent and turn back onto the Lord, he would restore them and have compassion upon them. Hallelujah. It all circulates, whether it be in the Old Testament way of, 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 a, of sacrificial system or whether it be in the New Testament where Christ is our sacrifice. If we truly want New Year change, if we really want change in our lives, it means that we must come before the Lord with a repentant heart. Amen. We must come before the Lord not trying to play games, not trying to hide who we are. We need to come before God and say, here I am. Jesus brings a new covenant. He's saying that, that I'm bringing this repentance, but God will bring forth a forgiveness that is a permanent change. You're not going to have to come year after year. If you will truly repent unto me, I will move into your life and into your heart, and I will move within you, and I will bring conviction. I will bring uh, 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 illumination. You will see what it is in your life that needs to change, and I will help you focus on making that change happen. But it starts with true repentance. If we're going back year after year after year after year, asking for repentance for the same thing over, I mean, asking for forgiveness for the same thing over and over and over, I have to ask, do we, have we really repented of whatever it may be? Now, don't get me wrong. There are some vices that really have a hold on us. There are some things that can really hook into who we are. But I can promise that with the help of Jesus Christ, if we will really, truly focus on getting rid of it, it's amazing how he makes it go away. It is our priority system. I'm not saying that Satan won't continue to throw lures up there, but you'll be able to say no. I know someone very personally who, who tried to quit smoking like 25 times. I'm not convicting smoking. That's between you and the Lord. But they tried over and over and over. But when the doctor said, if you keep smoking, you're going to die in a year, amazing how that smoking went away. <laughs> Hallelujah. Their priorities changed all of a sudden. Guys, when God is speaking to us, we, it is real easy just to say a cute prayer, oh, Lord, forgive me for this, forgive me for that. But it's hard sometimes to really go before the Lord and say, Father God, I recognize what I have done, I recognize what I'm continuing to do, and I ask you, Lord God, because I am truly sorry. That's what redemption is. I am truly sorry that you hung on that cross 
for one of these sins that I have performed, and I am so sorry, and I have asked you, Lord, and I'm coming before you, and I am ready to start again. And you know what the great thing is? We serve a God who is a forgiving God. He gave us the gift of sacrifice. He is ready, and he is willing to forgive and start again if we will truly repent. The problem is, guys, that the, the, the repentance isn't there. We, we want it to go away. We want the side effects to go away, but we don't want to truly repent of it. Oftentimes, we don't want to acknowledge that we're wrong. Because the people in this day and age when Christ was born, because the people were, were living in darkness, they didn't even know who God was. They had been gone following through traditions. They had been following through legal systems. And I'm afraid so many of us today, we just follow traditional paths. So I said a prayer when I was three, so I'm good. Not realizing that the sin in our lives, that, that our heart, because we've never truly focused on redemption, has become hardened. That's where these folks were then. Because they never had anyone truly point out what true redemption was, their heart had become, become hardened. And Simeon looks at them and, says, and, and holds Jesus, and he knows the people around him are hardened. And notice what he says in verse 30. In verse 30, he goes on and says, For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all the people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people in Israel. In other words, they're living in darkness, but because of the Christ child, because of his willingness to come and carry out the plan of salvation, because of his willingness to die as sacrifice upon that cross, they, their hearts shall be illuminated. Gentile and Jew alike will now see the darkness that's within inside them. And because they see it now, and in prophecy goes on, he says, he is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel to be assigned, to be opposed, to be revealed so that a sword shall pierce his, the soul of those amongst them. Folks, the Spirit of God, once he has died upon that cross and he rose again and he ascended to the right hand of God the Father, he now sees specifically our heart and he interjects and he intertwines himself within our heart. And if we will repent and turn our heart fully over to him, he will show us, he will illuminate within us what it is we need to repent of. Repentance had become a problem in Israel. One, because they just stubbornly wouldn't do it. But oftentimes they didn't even know what to repent of. I think sometimes we try to hide ourselves from Bible studies. We try not to, to go to church as often because we're afraid that we'll get convicted on something we like doing. We'd rather stay in the dark and pretend we don't know it. Well, here's the thing, guys. The Holy Spirit of God moves within you when you accept him. You don't have to go to church and do the Bible study. If you will pray, Lord, show me what's wrong in my heart. Show me the error of my ways. He will. He doesn't need me to tell you. And it's between you and the Lord at that time whether you repent. You can fool me. You can fool Barry. You can fool Brother Chris over here. You can fool a lot of people, but you can't fool God. You can say all the cute prayers and make me think, man, that boy knows the Bible in, out, backwards, and all the way around. And at the same time, God's saying in your heart, you are guilty. And you want to say you're clean? All you have to do is repent. Turn from it. Put your faith in me. Look to who I am. You see, sin isn't just something we do, guys. Sin is something we think. Sin is something we feel. I, I would say probably 90% of us have sin that's just even remained hidden from our consciousness because we chose not to ask God. 
We don't want to ask him because then I have to change my lifestyle up. So we live in denial. Oh, no, I'm a good guy. You know, I got everything going right. But we don't want to accept, who is it that I have judged? Oh, I don't judge people, really? Let's stop and think about that. Well, I, I don't want to think about who I've hated. Oh, I wouldn't, I'd never hate anybody. Hmm, I wonder if we haven't hated people before. And other things, guys, we've, we've been jealous. We've coveted other people's things. Not me, Pastor, I'm perfectly fine right where I'm at. I still sometimes go to the Harley dealer and say, man, that's a nice bike. Then I look at the price tag and leave, but still. How many things are we just trying to live in denial with? Where if we will get on our knees, not before me, not before our brothers and sisters, not before our wives, but just get on our knees in our prayer closet before the Lord. You really want a new year to start off right? Get on your knees before Christ and say, Father, illuminate my life. Show me my heart. Show me the things I've been living in denial with. Show me the things that I think I can't change, but through you I can. Lord, I truly want to repent. When you truly, when your heart truly wants to repent, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. You know, there's some people, uh, uh, like Neil's daddy, Dennis used to tell me all the time uh, that, that when God told him to quit drinking... Switch flipped, and that, he quit drinking. It's not that easy on a lot of folk. But sometimes it is. You just got to ask. You just got to go to the Lord. And for those it's not that easy, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I will walk with you every step of the way. But we live in denial. It's like that person who, who's just a picture of health. Everything is, you know, they got vitality. They look good. Oh, just like the, the, the news anchor this week, Bree, Bree Alexander, I think her name is, 26 years old, had life, everything going for her. She caught the H1N1 virus and passed away. You know, the flu, she died of the flu, 26 years old and, and perfectly healthy. Now, it's a special kind of flu, but still it was a flu. Nobody would have ever imagined that. So many times we look so good on the outside and we go to some kind of body scan and they say, oh, you got cancer all ate up in you. Wait, on the outside, there was just a few little symptoms. No indication of what was really going on on the inside. Folks, I think sin is that way in our heart as well. That we can look real good out here to everybody else. We might even think real good about ourselves. Oh, yeah, I, you know, I go to church. I, I mow the yard. I cook dinner. I, uh, I, I helped a little lady cross the street yesterday. Uh, I gave 50 cents to the tithing bucket. I, you know, I'm a good person. And then God says, but what about all this? When you get on your knees and say, Father, I truly want to repent, all of a sudden here comes this list. And then we feel like Paul when Paul said, I am the chief amongst sinners. My spirit is willing, but my body is weak. All of a sudden we recognize I've got all this unnoticed stuff by others and even by myself in my life that is keeping me from being what God has called me to be. I have the opportunity not to have to go back every year. I have the opportunity to come clean with all this right now. I can stand in the presence of my God who shines a light and exposes everything to me. All I have to do is do it. I have to get on my knees and, Father God, show me the, 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 the darkness in my own heart. And then truly repent. You see, Jesus is like shining a, a cat scan over our body, and that sword pierces the soul. That's what Simeon was telling us. 
that the power of God can come in and illuminate in our hearts what it is that's keeping us from attaining whatever it is that God's called us to be. Now, you may be sitting out there right now saying, well, Pastor, that's just not my sermon. I'm, I'm all that and a bag of chips. I'm good. I would suggest if that's your idea, then you're the first one to get on your knees because pride comes before the fall, even if it's a righteous pride. I guarantee all of us have sin in our lives. All of us deal with things in our lives because Satan doesn't want us to make it. Satan doesn't want us to lead others to Christ. So he's going to do, he, Satan's not an idiot. He's not that red guy with a pointy tail and a, fork, and a pitchfork. He is the angel of light, it says at one point. He can deceive the masses. And if he can deceive you into thinking you've got it all going on and you don't need to repent anymore, he's already done his job. Each one of us needs to get on our knees on a daily basis, I would say, not just yearly, but daily, and say, Father, what is it that you can show me in my heart? You know, in Hebrews 4, it says that the word of God is sharper than, than a two-edged sword, piercing as it divides the soul from the spirit, joints from the marrow. It is able, listen to this now, it is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Think about that. He's saying that the word of God, the spirit of God, can judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. He goes on to say that before him no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare to his eyes. In other words, no matter how good you think you might be, he can see. And he says every one of us, he goes on and says that everyone will render an account unto God. Wow. Go back and read that in Hebrews 4 one day. That's telling me I can't hide it from the Lord. I can hide it from myself. I can live in denial. I can say, well, you don't understand, Pastor. I'm, uh, it's just too big. I can't repent of that. It's just too much. Or, uh, you know, I think I can rationalize it. Why God will allow me to keep this or keep that. Bottom line is this. When we truly ask the Lord to seek our heart and illuminate the dark areas of it, he will do so. And he is bigger than anything that you think you have. Pastor, you don't know how bad a person I was. I may not, but I know how bad a person I was. And, he, and I can tell you, he washed me, cleansed me, and made me whole. I may not know where you have been, but I know where my God has been. I may not know what you have done, but I know what my God has done. I may not know where you're headed, but I know my God does know where you are headed. And I can promise you this morning, that no matter how big the instrument that, that was in your past, my God is bigger. No matter how deep the hole is you dug for yourself, my God digs deeper. No matter how far down in you fell, my God's arm is longer. All you have to do is truly, if you really want New Year's resolutions, then quit waiting for the ball to drop and go to Christ who's already hung on the cross and say, Father God, I repent. I ask you to forgive me of these sins in my life. I ask you to show me what it is in my life I need to get rid of, and you will be amazed what he'll do with you this coming year in his ministry. I thought, I, I've probably shared this testimony before, but I thought that I had repented of, of you know, my biological father and I, you know, once the child protection service took me out of the home, I didn't want anything to do with him. I hated him. Well, later on in life, I verbally forgave. I said, you know, I don't have to hang out with you, dude, but I forgive you. But it wasn't until a few years later in a revival meeting 
when God was speaking to this young, through this young man, that God really said, you're living in denial. Yeah, you spoke words, but you didn't do it with your heart. And I, I was getting angry at the preacher because that by the third day I was thinking, I don't know what he's telling me, but I don't like that this kid's telling me what to do. But I finally realized I needed to go to that altar. And when I truly said, Father, show me my heart, and he flashed that just clear as day to me, you never actually forgiven. And I did. And it was then, it was like, bang, the ministry doors opened up. All of a sudden, I, I, I was licensed to preach. I thought I was going to preach here or there. Every Sunday, I was in a different church somewhere. Never even, I remember Bill Pogue. Some of y'all know Bill. I told Bill, will you teach my Sunday school class? I got to go teach over here. And he teases me still to this day. You never came back. Because <laughs> I was somewhere every weekend. And then Sutherland Springs calls. And, and now here we are all these years later. And I'm still here. Why? Because I finally got on my knees and quit arguing and quit fighting and quit playing like I repented and truly did. Amen. Folks, whatever it is in your life, if you will go before the Lord and not just make a New Year's resolution, but say, God, I want to repent. I, I, I want you to show me my heart. I want to, to face the truth of, of what's in my heart because I know you've already paid a price for it. See, here's the great thing, guys. This is the good news. Because we are forgiven, if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, because we are forgiven, because we know that we know that we know that he died for us, we can stand before a holy God without fear of facing what's in our own hearts because we know that he's already paid that price, because we know that he has done something for us that no one or anyone else could ever do. Whatever was hidden, my Christ can bring it out. And, and because I can go to him, I can repent of everything without fear because death is already gone. My only fear is death, but through the blood of Christ, death no longer has its sting. I don't have to fear death anymore because my God loves me. Therefore, I can submit myself to his eyes and ask him to look into my heart. Show me the error of my ways. Let his light shine on the sin in my life. And I can face it. And I can repent of it. Not because I'm superhuman. Not because I'm frank. Not because I pastor a church. Not because of any other thing other than that God said. That he loved me. And that he would never leave me. And he would never forsake me. In other words, he's that loving heavenly father who's going to love me even though I do incredibly stupid things sometimes. But when I go to him and say, wow, Lord, that was dumb. I'm sorry. He's going to put his arm around me. There may be some consequences temporarily, but he's going to put his arm around me and say, yeah, that was pretty dumb. But you know what? I died for it too. And I love you, and I know you're not going to do it again. Or he may say, you know, I know that you know and you are truly repentant. And you may fall down again with this for a couple times, but I'm always going to be here and we're always going to head towards the goal that I set before you. Folks, he has put a spirit within us to counsel us, to direct us, to position us so that we can see the sin in our own heart. The secrets of our heart can be disclosed unto us if we will just truly ask him, Father, be that sword that separates the, the, the spirit from the heart. Show me the, the error of my ways. Show me where I have fallen. Show me where I fail you. 
And then, once it's shown to you, saying, Lord, you're right. I see that. That one's going to be hard. Forgive me all these things, but I am going to try to the best of my ability to get back to where I'm supposed to be, to get back to where I'm supposed to go, to do and say what it is I'm supposed to do and say so that I can share the gospel. You know, I put a thing out on, uh, what, what do they call it? A meme. As a, that's just a weird word to me, but still. Somebody put out there what I've been saying, and that is, God, somebody says to you, you don't act like a Christian, say thank you. Because I don't, I, I, I don't want to act like a Christian. I want to be a Christian. Amen. There's enough actors out there. Amen. To be a Christian doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're willing to accept the fact you're not. And go to the Lord and say, Father, forgive me. And help me continue to fight the fight that's placed in front of me. And then you know what happens? People are going to look at you and say... You're not perfect. You don't act like a Christian because real Christians aren't perfect, brother. But I sure will put my arm around you. You put yours around me, and we'll hobble our way to the end through Christ who's going to hold us up and push us through. We all make mistakes. When we start trying to judge other people's mistakes, you're making a mistake. Every one of us individually can have that New Year's resolution every morning by going to the Lord and say, Father, here I am. I want to be transparent and show me my sin. And when he shows it, say, Lord, that's going to be a hard one, but I choose to move forward. Because Jesus Christ is a covenant that, it, that produces permanent change. Your New Year's resolutions, that may be a fun thing. Lord knows I'm, I've already said come Wednesday I'm going back to the gym and try to lose some of this. But you want real change? That's not just a, an idle resolution? Go to Christ. For he made it once and for all. And he is faithful and true to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. This new year, I pray that you will commit yourself today, right now. You don't have to wait to even come down to this altar or anything else. You can say it right now. Father, show me my heart. Get in your quiet time every day. Whether it's behind the wheel of your car going to work, maybe it's at lunchtime, maybe you've got that special place you go to in the morning. But go to the Lord on a daily basis. And say, Father, how am I doing? Where am I falling short? And the great thing I found is, yes, my shortcomings outnumber my good things, but it sure is nice when I hear God tell me the good things too. And one day, I hope to stand before him here. Yeah, you messed up here and there, but well done, now good and faithful servant. Amen. Every one of us can listen and hear that one day. It will put our faith in him. Simeon said, this child that you brought me, thank you, Lord. I have laid eyes on the salvation of both Gentile and Jew. He knew that the old way was gone. That this child was destined to become the sacrifice for all. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that sacrifice was made for you and for me. He said, whoever believed that he was the Son of God and that he rose again on the third day, 
so shall they be saved. Go and profess that to men. For those who deny it before men, I'll deny it before my Father. For those who profess it before men, so shall I profess before my Father. This one's mine. Where are you this morning? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's first and foremost. If you do know him today, will you commit in your heart to seek him out? And say, Father, here I am. Show me my heart. Show me my shortcomings. And then the big step, repent. Repent. That's a dirty word in many places this, today. But guys, that's never changed. We have been called to repent. The prayer is not what saves you. It's that repentive heart that's expressed in prayer that saves you. Where are you this morning? I'm going to ask us all to stand. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer, but I mean, I'm not closing this, No. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And if God is speaking to you, you can come to this altar. You can pray right where you're at. But what, are you, what say you this morning? It doesn't matter if you're 15 or 50 or 100. Whatever age you are right now, as these words hit your ears, you can turn your heart and your eyes to the Lord. Pastor, you don't know how wicked my life has been. I can, you don't know how wicked my life is right now. But my God does. And he knows you. And he said that he was bigger. Whomsoever believeth in him. Where are you this morning? Young or old alike? Will you look to the Lord today? Will you trust him? As we pray. Father God, I come before you right now. Just thank you for this opportunity we have to to worship. But most of all, you've given us an opportunity to ask our hearts to be cleansed to be purified in your grace, in your mercy, in your blood. We do not deserve it, but you gave us this opportunity to come clean. We, we talk about New Year's resolutions, and this new year is a clean start, but God, you give us a clean start the moment we truly repent and come into your grace. I don't have to wait for a date on a, on a human calendar because you're beyond time. You're beyond dates. You're everlasting to everlasting. And you said if we will put our faith in you, then we we will become joint heirs to the throne everlasting. Father, I pray your will to be done here today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. As we sing this morning, guys, if God is speaking to you, I'm going to ask you to, to listen, come down to this altar, and be what God's called you to be this morning. Amen. Oh, I'm still on.
And they said, God's moved upon them to come and join this body and be a part of this church. Glory Amen. Keep them in your prayers, guys, as they are coming to be a part of this. Guys, most of all, when you leave here today, go home, have a good time. I know you, some of y'all got a couple days vacation or holidays still going on. Praise God for that. But most of all, be able to spend them with joy in your heart by knowing you should come clean unto your Lord. Go to Him say, Father, forgive me. That don't mean with your mouth. I mean with your heart. You don't even have to voice it at all. You can get on your knees and just look up and say it, and He hears you. The Holy Spirit will give utterance to what needs to be said. Amen? Amen. 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 Good to see everybody this morning again. I praise the Lord for each one of you. Thank you guys for leading us in worship. Abigail Zorth, thank you for sharing with us. That was incredible. I'm very, you know, we were talking about covetous a while ago. I'm kind of... You know, y'all get to go to sleep listening to that practice in your house. It's just not fair. I think you need to invite us all over for a second. <laughs> Amen. No, we're all welcome. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Amen. And they have brothers, too. I'm talking about all them guys. Y'all are great as well. And y'all are doing the special next week, just so you know. <laughs> Amen. That's all right. One of y'all plays saxophone, right? Oh, that's Dad. Oh, Dad. <laughs> Amen. Good to see you guys this morning. Praise the Lord for each one of you. Keep looking up and all that you say and do, and just, just focus on Christ and everything. Amen? Amen. 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 Mr. Kobach, will you close us in prayer, brother? Father in heaven, I want to thank you for sending Jesus Christ. Amen. Sending him to be our Lord and Savior that we worship, we admit our sins to, and we come to in times of trouble. But we also come in times to love and care. And, and uh, we just thank you for him. Lord, protect us as we go about our day. Thank you for the music. Thank you for the special music. Thank you for the folks that have joined our church and to come be a part of this. Lord, we just, uh, we're honored to be in the house of God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Me and raise the dead man's life.
giver of every breath I breathe, author of all eternity, giver of every perfect thing, to you be the glory. Maker of heaven and of earth, no one can comprehend your word, King over all the universe, you be the glory.